Okay. We are live what? in the studio. Bradley Morris. Yeah. On the beatboxing hand fires. That's right. That's how we roll on E-Course Adventures Live, the show where we take you behind the scenes with world-class teachers and experts and help you to craft the greatest, most immersive, creative, engaging, highly effective, and profitable online courses that you can possibly dream up. Heck yeah. So, what he said, subscribe and never miss a show. Yeah. Don't you know? Don't you know? Welcome, everybody. This is, uh, which episode are we on today? 15. 15. Woo! Nice. We got Pat Johnson on the line. Uh, super stoked to chat with her. She um, kind of rose to the top of Toastmasters International. And Toastmasters is kind of a big deal. It's in it's a big deal. Like uh, over 115 countries around the world. And there's over 300,000 active members. There's probably a chapter in your area, even little tiny Salt Spring Island. You know, and that's a big thing, too, To uh, when you're getting in e-courses, getting in front of the camera, getting used to being in front of people and speaking you what you do effectively. So can't <laughs> wait to chat with her. It's going to be a really juicy conversation. It's going to help you understand more about what it takes to speak your message and lead with confidence in your industry. And this is what we're all doing. This is why we're all creating these types of courses because we all want to step into the spotlight with our message and in our industry to create big ripples. Big ripples. Big ripples. The world needs us. Blair Dini, Ripples. Speaking of ripples, what ripples are you making in your life? What have you been up to lately? Oh, I had a mental breakdown last week. Yay! Yay! Mental breakdown. You know you're doing a good job when, right? Just too much computer time, oh. you know, and that's a big part of of finding the balance. Yeah. So I think that was more of a splash, <laughs> if maybe a friggin', you know, tsunami <laughs> than just a ripple. Oh, but buddy. Um, <laughs> we're here for you. Yeah. Everybody send Blair a love letter and let him oh. know how much his work means to you. But you know, I have the tools, and it feels good to be back. Love being on the show. And um, what did you do for therapy? I made beeswax candles. Wow. I know. Digital ones? No. <laughs> it's, you know, I realize I make everything in the digital world, whether it's uh, these e-courses and, um, you know, music, everything's digital. So I was like, you know what? I need to do something that is completely on the physical level. Wow. And Let's beeswax get candles physical, was so good. Physical. Yeah. Blair's getting physical <laughs> with <laughs> the candles. Yeah. That, that sounds that fun. How about you? You look more cheery. <laughs> um, first professional golf tournament win ever. Ooh. Yeah, played in a two-man tournament on Sunday, and my my dad was out west here, and he came and caddied for me, and uh, so it was a tied for first. So well, and at the so same, it's a two-man tournament, and you both tied. No, no, no. So it was. It was <laughs> sorry, it was how much a win that is. It was a, each team had two people on it. So I, I was with my buddy Isaac, who I teach a lot of workshops with, and right. him and I were on a team, 
and it was a tied for first, so it wasn't an outright first. And then we did a three-hole playoff, and the final hole was in the dark. Like, wow. they literally brought out the, the tractors that mow the greens. And there's people <laughs> gathered around the green, drunk people, and they were all singing Oh Canada as we teed oh, off on this, this hole. And, <laughs> and I stuffed one to eight feet, and their guy had a 25-footer. And it was, you know, it was pretty awesome. And then their guy freaking makes the 25-footer in the dark that was like this downhill curler. <laughs> And I missed the eight-footer, and Isaac missed the eight-footer. So we actually came second, but I'm counting as a tied for first because that feels better than saying I lost in a playoff and came second. So denial, (laughs) denial. (laughs) But it was it was pretty awesome. Um, And uh, and then I actually went to a funeral yesterday with my with Mm. my dad. My um, my aunt passed away, and she was one of the most courageous and inspiring people that I've had the pleasure to have in my life. She was in a hospital bed for the last 15 years. Wow. Um, and she she had a really rough hand dealt to her. Was, was so she's in a better place. She's in a better place. Say. And, yeah. you know, even in the, the 15 years, because her and I spent a lot of time together over the years, uh, I never heard her complain once. Never Amazing. heard her complain about her pain. I never heard her complain about her situation. Hmm. Um that she she was just a beautiful light in the world. Um, so I'm just really grateful, you know, out of all the people through all of my crazy entrepreneurial uh, adventures, she was always the one who always believed in me. It didn't matter if I was making super offensive t-shirts online or teaching meditation or Where can we doing... get those t-shirts? Are they still available? <laughs> I burn them all in a bonfire. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they now live in the atmosphere. Yeah, maybe we should start wearing super offensive t-shirts when we get our ratings a little higher. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll work very well. No? I don't think okay. this is the right audience for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's been my life. Um, yeah, that's been, it's been a full week. It's been a lot of roller coastering. Some good highs, some good lows. It seems to be a theme for on, you know, and uh, and a metaphor for just entrepreneurialism in general, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a roller You've coaster. Been up so. and down. Our website is getting crafted. It's looking really it's nice. Looking beautiful. Ups it's and downs. Nice you know, to be working with experts on that. I know, right? Experts yeah. rock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bunch of courses getting survive the storms coming we're, yeah together. we're shooting the rest so chris and his media team over in ontario are shooting the rest of their stuff this week and we're shooting the rest of our stuff which means we'll be going into post-production mode and survive the storm the goal is like by mid-november all of you out there will get to go through survive the storm uh-huh. So that's that's exciting. I mean, this yeah. course is going to be a flagship course on how to create themified learning experiences outside of how to create courses and how to market courses and how to sell courses. So uh, we're pretty pretty darn stoked. And the new platform will be live in two weeks max. So that's just because lot. we've got Pat Johnson today and we're going to be talking about speaking a lot. Oh, before we get to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to interrupt that thought. So last week, if you're on our email list, you would have got an email saying, we're putting a lot of money into our new website here, and we would like to make sure we get our messaging correct. Could you please fill out our survey, and we'll happily pay you $100 and offer you some free coaching that to happened. two people. Mm-hmm. And it was the best response ever from our list. 
um, for surveys and we've sent out quite a few over the years. So if you're looking to get a good response from your surveys, offer people cash. It seems <laughs> to be working. Yeah, it works really well. So we have two big winners and we went to mm. randomnumbergenerator.com. I found that on Google. And the random folks that won $100 each cash and an hour of coaching with Blair Dini and I. Number one, Jessica Antonelli. Hey! Hey! Congratulations, Jessica. And Jessica's actually created a few things on the mountain. She's created the Bad Artist, which is a a course that she's redoing right now again. It went from mini course to an actual course. And How to Draw Anything, which was her first, or sorry, 10 Steps to Drawing Anything. Um, and so Jessica, we're so stoked to get to work with you. It's going to be so fun. Um, and drum roll for our second winner, Sarah McCann. Hey, Sarah. So Sarah is also another student in the great ecourseadventure.com. And, uh, she, her company is called mind tricks, which is a play on matrix, the matrix, um, and the course she's building right now is called Escape from Nicotraz, where she is going to help you escape from your smoking addiction. Hallelujah. Her course is wicked. And as far as I know, Sarah must be like coming down the final stretch, finding the light at the end of the tunnel where she's actually going to be launching her course really soon. So hopefully we can offer our services yeah, in a good way to you too, Sarah. We'll you, be in Jessica touch. Sarah, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Nice. We love working with people. And if you want coaching, reach out to us and we can we can set that up as well. We love helping people to just bring their ideas to life and ultimately to create the greatest courses you can imagine. And sometimes it takes a couple of uh, experienced guides like ourselves to just help you have the epiphanies that you need and to help you organize your thoughts and map things out so that you can do it the quickest, fastest, most efficient an affordable way possible. Hey, hey. So <gasps> that's it. Can I go back to my thought? Oh yeah, go back to your thought. Yeah. So since we got Pat Johnson to talk talk with uh, around, and we're going to be talking about speaking a lot. Yeah. You know, it seems to be one of her things. Being uh, in Toastmasters, that's what Toastmasters is all about: is uh, getting comfortable with public speaking and getting a lot of really good feedback. I was just curious, where did you get some of your experience? Because that seems to be a natural skill of yours. Um. Well, actually, funny enough, it kind of, um, in public school, back in grade six, seven, and eight, we had to give speeches. It was a thing that we did, three to five minute speeches every year. Um, So the first speech I ever gave was on uh, my fourth cousin, Chief George Armstrong, who was a... uh, Cousins at Armstrong? Yeah. Whoa! That just clicked! And he was also uh, a First Nations guy, and he was the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the 60s when they won all those Stanley Cups. Wow, cool. So I did a speech on him. Nice. Um, And that was my first ever speech, and I made it to the finals, I think, uh, in like our our district. Uh, And then the next year I did a speech on... Uh, bicycle helmets because the bicycle law helmet <laughs> just came in and it was like a super I remember like the first the beginning of the speech was like and you're biking I'm biking From down a, a hill and I hit a pole and there's blood everywhere and I black out like it was it was like really really descriptive uh, and I made it to the finals again so nice I guess it's just been a part of my path and mm-hmm. you know and then as far as like professionally 
Uh, back in 2007, we launched a viral video on YouTube called The Gratitude Dance. And that led to hundreds of speaking events around North America. Nice. And then teaching 500 plus workshops and meditation. It's just been like kind of me sharing has been a part of my life since a little kid. And I remember like back in the olden days when we used to have like a big video camera, um, (laughs) my buddies and I would make jackass videos in, um, back in high school. And even as a little kid, when I was probably like eight to 10 years old, we were making media and and that sort of stuff. It's just been like, just been what I do. It's been one of your things. Now everyone doesn't have that same sort of path, you know? And, And that's the one thing that we see often is when people are, wanting to create an e-course they've got some really good information and build a really awesome um course you know and and the um the the uh, what's the word i'm looking for the uh oh see i could get some I, pat you need to help me oh my god yeah. but you know they get they get the uh, all the course material and stuff but then what we see constantly is um stalling in front of the camera yeah. And being able to present themselves effectively. And um, yeah, so it's a huge skill. So if you do have a Toastmasters around, uh, highly suggest that. Yeah. That and I'm really... sure I'm sure Pat will be able to tell you how yeah. helpful it so can be for you. So let's get her. Let's get her. And... Save Pat, me, Pat. Save come me. Come in, Pat. Pat, are you? Pat, are you there? Pat. I'm here. Hi. Pat, Pat Johnson. Is. <laughs> Welcome, Pat. It is wonderful <laughs> to see you here on eCourse Adventures Live. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. Now, we were introduced through a mutual friend um, named Roxanne, who is an amazing globe-trotting woman who's, you know, helping a lot of people around the world. And she seems to just, she seems to know so many incredible human beings. And so anybody that Roxanne introduces me to, I'm always paying attention because she knows so many good people. And so we got to have a, a short 30 minute conversation a couple of weeks ago, which I was really inspired by. And I was like, you are, you are the person we want to have on the show mm-hmm. to help our students and all the people that are following our work to be more confident as they're leading their online communities and they're speaking their message out into the world. So we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks so much. So I'm curious, yeah. how did you, how did you get into public speaking? Well, I took the long circuitous route. <laughs> so uh, I, I came, although I'm very young, I came late to the game. <laughs> and uh, late I was in, yeah, I uh, actually was super shy and didn't have any confidence or self-esteem into my 30s, although I was showing horses and doing things in public, but was really... Uh, trying to hide for the most of the time, wanting to be quite invisible. So I was actually in a program out of the University of Brandon, Manitoba, and was studying politics. And I was in Ottawa and at that time was required to introduce one of our senators at one of our events. Well, I didn't sleep all night. I couldn't decide how to address him, whether I stood or whether I sat down, whether I could touch him or shake his hand, what question I would ask or what I would say, how long it had to be, do I read it, do I have to just speak without notes? And that kept me going all night long. 
So the next morning I showed up to introduce the senator and it was probably the most embarrassing <laughs> performance of my entire life. And the poor fellow knew that just by process and the agenda that I was actually attempting to introduce him. <laughs> so he did eventually take the stage. But after that, one of my colleagues who was in school with me came up and said, you should try Toastmasters. Uh-huh. I had never heard of it before, and I was at that time living in northern Manitoba and thought, mm, the chances of me finding that in the small town where I was from is probably nil. And it didn't really mean anything to me, so I packed it away. And then it was one of those things that haunted me because of the poor performance that I had had. And I kept thinking I need to fix this. I thought there had to be a fix. And so I eventually, about nine months later, walked into my first Toastmaster meeting because there was, in fact, a club in the small town that I lived in in cool. northern Manitoba. Wow. There's yeah. quite a few out there, right? How many yeah. like chapters or clubs do you know that statistically? Oh, uh, I, I don't even keep track. We're in 146 countries of the world at the moment. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so wherever I go, I can find Toastmaster Club. And it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing, even in small communities like around BC. Um, I come from Manitoba. Uh, years ago, I moved out to BC from Manitoba. All the small communities there had clubs. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing the continents we're on and the work that we're doing and the languages. So that's how I came to actually experience developing some skills. Now, when I was young, uh, when I was about 12, my parents had put me in music. And so I started singing lessons. And as a result of singing lessons, I had the ability to walk out on a stage mm-hmm. without passing out. Right? <laughs> Step <laughs> number really one. Good thing. <laughs> And so I knew how to take someone's notes, the, the, you know, the, the notes and the words and take the score and present it. I had learned that and that helped me a bit have some presence. But when I got into Toastmasters, I actually sang a number of my first speeches because I was so dependent on having a note related to a word and having uh, a crescendo here and having a pianissimo now and having a fortissimo here. And so I actually would write the musical markings in my first speeches that I wrote and often uh, set them to music. Oh, wow. Interesting. Wow. So if talk you want about to set crutches. the, yeah, if you want to, if you want to start singing at any point during yeah. our show, we, we highly um, encourage it. <laughs> And I could uh, I could do some hand fart beatboxing and we could get a little jingle going here. Yeah, well, <laughs> that'll be for through. another show. <laughs> okay, we'll save that for round two. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I started. And I was super scripted for many, many years. Actually wrote out all my speeches word for word and would read. And then I had a, a woman that came along in my life and she was Maori descent. And she said to me, you would be a powerful leader if you get into your heart. Mm. And I went, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And she said, let me help you discover that. Mm 
And so Suzanne, her name was Suzanne, she came to my home and she spent a weekend with me. And we walked around my home and talked all weekend long. And as we did this, she would say to me, oh, now you're in your heart. Oh, you just went back to your head. Oh, you're intellectualizing. Oh, you're in your head. And I found that I was so seldom in my heart. But mm. then I, what she taught me was the difference. Uh -huh. How different it felt when I got out of performance, when I got out of intellectualizing and hiding behind my brilliance and just wanted to connect with people and have a relationship with mm. them as a speaker. And that made a big difference for me. So that started another huge journey in communication about, oh, probably 15, 15 years ago. And I really, it really changed the trajectory of my, my path in terms of getting into senior leadership in Toastmasters, mm. uh, senior leadership in my workplace. And yeah, just changing how I approached people. It wasn't, they weren't somebody to talk at, but more to connect with and communicate with and relate to them and build a relationship. Even when you stand on a large stage, as you've probably experienced, even on the other side of a camera, it's about, do you connect with the people mm -hmm. and how do you connect with them? And that's what keeps us online with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a key component. I find when I'm producing these courses and, and when we've got a camera staring at us and there's no actual person physically that we're used to just communicating in person, that's what we've been doing since we were born. And then yeah. it's the, how do we connect to that audience on the other side of that lens is a big yeah. key. And, yeah. and that's just to have that experience and have that, you know, in our mind, that's a really key point. Do you have any any practices that you would recommend people could do to start creating that that deeper heart connection as they're whether they're talking or whether they're making a video or doing a webinar or anything like that? Yeah, I have a few ideas to share. First of all, uh, one of the things that I love to do and I do this in my coaching practice is I have people put their hand over their heart. And just as you might do in preparing for a meditation is to close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths and feel yourself sink into your heart. That feels like good. You, yeah, you can hold your you can hold your attention to your heart center and you can actually feel your energy go down there. Can you feel that? Totally. Mm-hmm. And I notice yeah. when I'm connected in the heart, I notice the vibration of my voice also comes through a different area that it's not up in my throat when I'm talking like this. It's right, more yeah. just like embodied. Absolutely. It's so powerful. And it's one of the things that I encourage my clients to get in touch, whatever their practice is, to create a habit and a, and a strong practice to have that they rely on before they present. So whether they're sitting behind 
a, a camera and they can't be seen and it's just voiceover that they've got their hand there and they stay in their heart and every once in a while they can pause and take some deep breaths to get centered again. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's really important. And as we train our listening, we can actually hear that voice move back up to our head, right? The resonance changes, uh, the vibration, the connection changes. And so we can have this intellectual discussion and we can have this intellectual argument without saying a word, yeah. but it's different. It's almost not understood what's happened when somebody presents from their heart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, um, it's a great practice. Mm -hmm, Especially for all you parents simple. out there that have kids, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you're disciplining your kids, just like take a step back and give yourself mm -hmm. a timeout before you give them a timeout. <laughs> yeah. 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 The other, th the other thing is the mindset that it's never about the speaker. Mm -hmm. I think that often as speakers, we get into the, oh, I want to look good and I have to be the best and I can't make any errors and I want to be perfect and we really get into performance. Mm. And again, it puts this, it's almost like putting a layer of sarin wrap between us and the, the audience. Right. And it, nothing goes through. I mean, we, we visually through, but there's no connection. And so it's really to um, know that it's a dialogue, regardless if they're speaking back to you or not, it is a dialogue with that person. And so it is a two-way conversation because they've got stuff going on in their head and their heart yeah. in response to what you're saying. Yeah. So it's it's really to be conscious of not getting into being perfect and practice practice. Yeah. Just just um, don't make it a performance. Yeah. Just leave it in practice and just connect to your heart. Be authentic. Be yourself. Learn to laugh at yourself learn to accept your foibles because they're beautiful yeah right mm -hmm. they're what make us perfect yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah Even, and the um, other the oh, other sorry. thing i used to do just a quick tip and and uh then i'll turn it back to you is that if you're just speaking to a camera put up a picture of somebody yeah that you can speak to so that you're having a conversation with them yeah yeah that's why we actually have our the second monitor behind the camera so we're able to visually con connect but it's a lot easier just visually seeing you and have this conversation feels a lot more mm -hmm. realistic even though yeah. we're miles apart right yeah yeah um, oh, we're not far at all <laughs> just across the pond <laughs> Yeah, and something like for all of the people out there that are making videos, something that we try to do when we're writing our scripts for our video lessons is we try to imagine how the other person is responding to what we're teaching on the other side of the camera, on the other mm -hmm. side of the screen. And so we'll we'll try and imagine what their resistance to a specific exercise would be or what feelings might be brought up by through the content that we're teaching. And if we can address those things through the video, then they're going to feel much greater connection with the content that's mm -hmm. being taught and they'll want to continue on with you. But if you just 
teach them and you leave all of the resistance and and whatever might be coming up from them is having to take action with this next exercise and we don't address that and we don't intuit what they're going to be experiencing on the other side then oftentimes that's when they're going to be quitting or running the other way um mm, right losing that connection losing the connection yeah yeah i love what you say with the heart as a, as a key component and it makes me think of a lot of the science that's coming out of heart math institutes and really recognizing mm -hmm. that we consider the mind up here but it's so centered if not like you know what do they say like 20 50 times more potent than the vibrations coming out of the brain and that you know so if this this intelligence is what we can connect into then yeah we're doing a good thing we're, and and connecting on a much more holistic level yeah I've noticed that in a big way too, even as a musician, when I perform, mm, um, yeah. there's a big difference from playing something from memory compared to just playing something from my heart and the way it comes through. You can tell the difference. Yeah. That, that just raises such a beautiful point that uh, is, is so critical to connecting. And so many people, when they start to um, present it, whether they're presenting a course or uh, doing a keynote speech or some presentation that they start to memorize just as a musician would memorize the music. But the point you made is the difference between playing the notes that you memorize mm -hmm. versus internalizing the music and feeling the notes through your whole body the way the conduct, not the conductor, but the composer meant them to be felt uh -huh. or your interpretation. So I call, I refer to that as um, memorize versus internalize. Mm. And as you could well imagine, uh, I, I spent many years as an adult educator in a classroom every day. So looking at uh, connecting with people and my classes were only effective once I internalized the material and I wasn't worried about how do I set up that next exercise yeah uh, what what's the lead-in for that uh, what's the transition how do I complete this exercise to go to this exercise but it was once it was so internalized that it was seamless for me yeah that it became seamless for the for the participants to just flow along. Yeah. And if there was an interruption, I was totally fine with stopping wherever the interruption was because yeah. it didn't have to be, oh, it uh, will take your questions later. Yeah. Because I wasn't on a memorized track. I was internalized and, and I was with one uh, with the content. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us much more effective. And I think that I think that online programming, that becomes so much more important. Yeah. We tell people like if you're going to build online courses, then make sure you're teaching a lot in person, organize mm. groups, yeah. set up circles, lead little workshops. Like it doesn't mm. have to be big. It doesn't even have to be for money. It's just to have that consistent that practice experience. of teaching the content and getting real time feedback. Cause we learn so much from the real time feedback that can translate to creating better courses. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives you such a richness and depth yeah. of the content because you hear everybody's different perspectives. And so often we put on our lenses, totally. right? We come with our specific glasses and yeah. I see the world as yellow 
and you're sitting over there seeing it as uh, orange, and somebody else says says it's red, and we're going, okay, so we're all confused. We're all blended together. <laughs> yeah. Are we right or wrong? Yeah. And very few things, other you know, are right or wrong. Yeah. There, there's gradients, so I think that that's the you know, one of the beautiful things that we can bring uh, is that flexibility of thought and space for thought and interpretation Yeah. yeah wherever we are, whether we're in person or online. And yeah, just, and our word choices can create that environment. So I think there's nothing more helpful than recording yourself. If it's something that your participants are just starting out is to record themselves and play it back yeah. and have some other people listen to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's actually yeah. some of the things that we suggest in our community is, you know, start with a lesson, record it, show it to the mm -hmm. peers in the community, get some feedback. Yeah. Chances are you're not going to be sharing your first take, your second, maybe even your fifth or sixth, you know, like publicly and selling that it takes time right it's, yeah. it's yeah. a refinement process and, and a skill development right mm -hmm. it's not something you can simply read in a book and then perform it yeah it's it's a skill that we build and so while we're building a skill just as we learn to ride a bicycle if we use that simple example somebody holds us for the first while till yeah. we get our balance and we figure out how to manage by ourselves and mm -hmm. build that skill and then we're even have people then telling us not to go too fast or don't too, turn too sharp. Yeah. You yeah. know, all those guidelines. That yeah. Come along. Training wheels and the whole works. Yeah. No, yeah. just, uh, I'm big on routines, you know, like with golf and life and all these sort of things. So I'm, I'm big on creating systems that help us reach our full potential. So I'm just curious when you have a big speech, um, that you're to give, how do you prepare in the weeks leading up and how do you prepare and say the, you know, the morning of the actual speech where, where you're getting ready to step out on the stage? Wow. Oh, the hot, seat, me... Pat. <laughs> <laughs> the hot seat, Pat. You could have sent me this question ahead of time. <laughs> that there's, there's, uh, this yeah. can, you can totally wing it. If there's like, if even if there's just a few things, it's like, oh, I carry around my journal for like the three weeks leading up and I start to make footnotes and then... Yeah. Like what are the, just some of the rituals? Yeah. Uh, first of all, when I do keynote speech, uh, keynotes for me are usually about 45, 60 minutes long. Yeah. And so when I start preparing for a keynote, I'm usually inspired by something that is very important to me if I'm starting right from scratch. So if it's um, seeing greatness in others or the support that we give one another, how we can't do it alone in life, those, those type of things or areas of leadership, I start to collect stories because that's what speaking really is about is telling stories so people can relate to what we tell mm -hmm. because as they listen to the story, they insert their own experiences in there. So I start and collect stories. I wrote a, just to, to give an example, I wrote a speech on a keynote speech and a workshop. I created both out of this by listening to the Canadian tenors sing Lead With Your Heart. Hmm. And it was a song that I didn't even realize, but I was walking around, I kept singing it all the time. And then I would come home and I'd put it on this, you know, I'd, I'd play it again and again and again, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And I finally sat down and went, 
what is this? And that's when I went, ah, lead with your heart. That's a, that is a leadership presentation I need to do. Hmm. And so I started gathering the, not leadership skills, but the traits of leaders that I felt led with their heart and started looking at that. And I did some, you know, research and dug around and really held it in my heart for a long time to get what I really wanted to say. And then I worked with my coach at that time to refine some of the ideas because I needed an objective ear over there to hear what I was digging through. And I just, I'm very verbal. So I sit and I talk things out loud and then started getting really clear on what the message was and what was the purpose of that story. Hmm. And so then it was examining each piece to say, did it fit and how did it fit or why did, why or why not? And from there started to put it together. So looking, once I got the stories identified that I wanted to illustrate the points, then start and build transitions, just as you would in a program, right? In, in designing mm-hmm. a, a learning program, I built the transitions and then I started practicing and I, I would read it, what I wrote, and then again, it was that internalized. So it was never memorizing the words, but knowing that each time I got up, my intention was, first of all, to explain why um, lifelong learning was important as a trait for a heart leader and how it showed up. And then I told a story. So basically uh, made a point and gave the reason and then told a story as an example and then transition to another point. Uh, So that's how I build it. And then it's a matter of just doing it. And every time I do it, it's different. Now, some content works to be built into a workshop as well as a keynote speech. And so with this one, I actually did. And I just kept the same outline and just opened it up for discussion. Now, for, for say, a a 60-minute keynote, um, if you were to just guess, how much... How much preparation, like how much actual hours of preparation goes into it? And like how um, um, how many times do you think you run through it until the day it's actually being delivered? Oh, really hard to estimate. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. It, it, it depends. A lot of it depends if I've used some of the stories before because yeah. some of life's stories are really represent many things. So those are some of those have been already slimmed down i i find in stories that people need to learn to take out all the superfluous stuff that's not relevant to the point that they're attempting to make yeah and that's the biggest thing because we as people get very attached to the details so they start talking about a tuesday morning and they looked out the window and the sun was shining and they were feeling so great and they had just finished eating their cornflakes and this person walked in and started screaming at them and i'm going what did tuesday morning sunshine cornflakes have to do with the story like could we just get there yeah Mm -hmm. so that's the hard part for people is to take the stuff out that doesn't matter and to also get to the point where you realize that it's your life story and you can make it serve your purpose. You don't take an oath that 
it, everything is absolutely true. There's there's some liberty there. Yeah. Right. And some people get really hung up on that. And I, I don't necessarily say it's my life story. I just talk about an experience I had. Yeah. Right. If that's the case. So that that's that's a long process. And I've never tracked the time, nor would I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm no, I'm glad you I'm glad you say this because in our industry it's uh, a common myth that we can produce world class courses and presentations over a weekend and it's something like for us with our courses we spend countless hours doing the work that we do to get it to the level that we feel really excited and proud to release it to the world and so i'm just glad that you're reaffirming this for us oh people you know so many times people come to me and they'll say they want to be a professional speaker and i'll say okay where do when do you want to start (laughs) right And they think that they're going to launch this business in a few months. Yeah. And I go, well, you'll be lucky if you have one presentation partially done. (laughs) Yeah. It's because just to get people to write their personal stories, to start and identify that if you had an experience at the Banff School of Music, that there's some relevance to how important it is to have a team in your life, uh, how confidence can destroy your path or any number of things, right? Like you've got to take an example in your life and say, what are the stories here? And that takes a lot of internal work unless you've written a book about your life and have gained all that insight already. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the day off, there's lots of things that I do the day off because I'm so, um, it's really important for me to be super grounded and, and it's different for different people. Some people need to get really energized. So they're bouncing around and I need to Tony Robbins style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> uh, the opposite. I need to get down in my heart. So I mm. spend quiet time. I just before I go on a stage, I have I always ask uh, the, the spirit or the universe that if they have any words or anything that they want to use me for when I'm on the stage, that I'm I'm available mm. and willing. So I've had lots of messages that have come out of my mouth in the middle of a keynote that aren't off track, but are not my words. Yeah. Uh, not planned, right? This, this is no. not scripted. Yeah. And the whole, you know, the whole shiver from the yeah. top of the head to the tip of the toes going, Ooh, that was, you know, I don't say, let them know. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. So it's, it's quiet time and focus ahead of time and, and relinquishing control and the performance letting go of the performance and just going, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm telling my story and Mm. I don't, there's no right or wrong. I'm just there to be with the audience. And I guess the largest audience I've probably spoken to at any one time uh, would be about 3000 people, which isn't large for some people. And, but in, in in live, yeah. Where was that? Um, that would have been in uh, some of the international conventions. Hmm. There would be around 3,000 people. Wow. Yeah. And out of all the talks that you've given, um, aside from your first one, what was the what was the scariest talk that you had to give? Oh, uh, without a doubt, it was a talk that I gave in, in Southern Africa. I was in 
I had spoken at an event the night before and this when I was there I was speaking quite often during the day so it was very back-to-back presentations and they were all different and I I came out of a presentation and the, the night before and a fellow came up and said I'd like you to speak to my management team in the morning could you come by our our corporation I said absolutely I'd love to so I went to talk to them about the power of the Toastmaster program and the benefits for their employees and as I got up to leave that meeting the owner said to me and I'd like you to speak to some of our employees and I went okay and you know thinking nothing of it and walked around the corner out the room and he opened a door and I walked into an amphitheater that was full of hundreds of people (laughs) all sitting waiting unbeknownst to me and I looked at him and I'm walking out on the stage looking at him as he's going to introduce me no time no lead up nothing and I looked at him and I said what because I don't know who this audience is and which is one of the very first things you sounds like a nightmare for, <laughs> for so many people and they just yeah. walked onto this big stage and everyone's me. waiting cheering for me sounds yeah. like a dream well it depends yeah. who you are right when i wanted to wake up from and so i'm walking out on the stage and he's walking with me and i said what do you want me to speak on and he said what you talked about last night <sighs> I didn't have a clue what I talked about last night. I was so into fear and looking at all these people in this audience. So (laughs) that was the, probably the most frightening, but the biggest growth opportunity I ever had. Yeah. And how did you, you know, you, so he introduces you, you get to the podium. What, what happened next? Well, first of all, there was no podium. It was a wide open stage. And I'm just standing there in the middle of the stage. And so I just started telling stories and I started gauging the response of the audience. And then I started, you know, when I got responses from them on certain things and I started getting a sense of what they connected to. And I just kept building the speech. Wow. And how long was that speech that you were out there for? Uh, I think it was about 45 minutes. It was, it felt like about four hours. Yeah. No kidding, right? Wow. Just had to let go. Just let it be. Yeah. Uh What was, what was beautiful, I'm sure, is that all of the experience you'd gained leading up to that moment was preparing you to be able to just step in with a completely blank canvas and face the unknown it was it was kind of like the karate kid in master miyagi is like you did all of the wax on wax off and all the previous work and it was just like okay now here you go (laughs) here's your stage round one that was some of my dialogue is that you've been preparing for this moment for years right Mm. you have the words that come out of your mouth and then you have all the internal dialogue up here. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that you could be thinking and saying like completely opposite things. I've had that before. Yeah. 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 It was pretty rampant that day, but you know, we went out the other side and I've, I've learned that it's best not to beat myself up after the Mm. end of it. I, I really believe that it was perfect in its imperfections and, it turned out the way it was meant to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really big thing for people to understand. And I I see that time and time again 
you know, for mm-hmm. whether you're a public speaker or a musician up on stage or whatever it is in, and offering something to the public that, yeah. you know, most of the time I find most the higher the percentage is, is people beat themselves up. They think they did a poor job in some way when it's inspiring and it's just beautiful witnessing who they are in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think too, that, you know, as presenters or instructors or leading online programs as keynote, as an educator, whatever the case might be, there's nothing more beautiful than silence mm. and to be comfortable with silence and let people have time to internally process. Mm. Yeah. I learned this years ago when I was in, I was doing um, classroom instruction and I would say, okay, here's an exercise. I'll, I'll just give you some time. And so maybe I gave them 15 minutes to work on the exercise, but during that exercise, I would keep interrupting with different things I thought about. And finally one person came to me after and said, would you mind being quiet when you say we're going to have time to think? And I went, I will. <laughs> you got I will it. <laughs> from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even in the middle of a keynote, I'm, you know, I get feedback a lot of how comfortable I am just standing in the middle of the stage saying nothing hmm. because I've made a point hmm. and I want them to process it. Yeah. Now you do ontological life coaching with people. Um, and you work with people from all walks of life. It says in your bio, entrepreneurs, nurses, writers, artists, government workers, fitness instructors, healthcare advocates, business owners, media, it specialists, speakers, professors, like a very wide ranging group of people. Um, could you share a little bit about what ontological life coaching is? Yes, I'll attempt to do that. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. What is ontological <laughs> in the first place? Yeah, ontological is about the beingness of the person. Hmm. So rather than doing, who we be when we do it. Oh, I like that. That's nice. Yeah. So back to the heart, back to uh, our authentic self. And we have been trained from very young age to have all these automatic ways of being. And so as a result, we live unconsciously Mm -hmm. and the style of coaching that I do is about helping people peel those layers back and find their authentic self uh, Mm. that they may never have met as an adult or get rid of those voices in their heads who are their, uh, you know, the authorities from their past people that told them they couldn't, or they weren't good enough all that programming. So it's a deep level of coaching that is bringing, uh, working with people because I I don't do anything other than co-create. So I work in partnership with my clients for them to explore their highest and best. Hmm. And then if they set a goal to say be a, a world-class speaker, then we look at what the gap is between where we are today and what that that goal is, and then work at how their beingness 
gets them there. And in that, there's also skill development, but a lot of the focus is on beingness. And, uh, you know, again, lots of times we find people want to be something because somebody told them they could be, and they really have no passion for it, or yeah. it's not their calling. And so we look at, you know, the essence of a person who, who they are at their core without all the performance and the layers of shoulds and should nots and the rules and regulations and who they are authentically are. We look at the automatic ways of being that are powerful, but also stop people. And that's often our blind spots in life. So somebody that continually fails just before they have a big breakthrough, there's something going on. Yeah. And that's where we go. Mm. Um, people that uh, sabotage or never have time, or they have all these stories that they carry, carry around. I'm not good enough. I don't have time. Yeah. I'm not smart enough. I'm too smart. Yeah. All those things. So we, we go there. I would say the, I don't that. have time is the biggest excuse I hear out of all of the adventurers who are in our community is, Oh, I don't have the time. So time and money. Pat, time and how do money. we deal with this? How do we deal with this? I don't have the time excuse that we hear like a million times a year <laughs> from people. Yeah. Well, you know, it, a very simple way of looking at it is, is to look at priorities because everybody's got 24 seven. So yep. why do you produce so much? And why do I produce so little in yeah. the same amount of time? And often it's priority and it's always choice in yeah. life. The other thing is to, um, is to look at how much energy you spend and how much time you spend justifying and collecting evidence that you don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a downward spiral that, and, you know, we look at, um, there's various tools that we look at, but people get overwhelmed because of time. Yep. Um, and there's ways of getting out of that. Hmm. So we, we look at ways of people just being clearer on what they want to create in their life and gaining focus and confidence and just committing to it. And those words are easy, but it's not always. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Priorities is a is a good thing. I an exercise that I'll often do with new clients is, um, what are the top ten things that have been taking up the majority of your time in the last two weeks? Write them all down, and then write on a scale of one to ten. Out of those ten things, how many hours? Well, first, how many hours would you estimate you've spent on those? And then the third step would be, um, on a scale of one to ten how high are those things on the priority list and how in alignment are they with what you say you want? Yeah. And then yeah. oftentimes it's like, oh my God, five of these things I could actually get rid of right now because they're totally out of alignment with what I'm saying I, I'm wanting in my life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and yeah. even if one of those things is out of alignment, we can get rid of that, then maybe we've just gained 10 hours. Yeah. Oftentimes scrolling yeah. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the socials, like <laughs> you would not believe, like I, I did this yeah. survey and people would say they just, they spent like over 500 hours on those media devices Whoa. in a year. 
And I was like, well, if you take those out of your life, you just gain 500 hours. And it we're, we say it's like it's approximately 100 hours to build a really memorable course that can be profitable. And so that's five profitable e-courses people could be making in that year if they just yeah. take those out. Hey. Your friends aren't going to miss you that much. No, no, they'll call you actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, in ontological coaching, what we do is is look at why you're doing that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and what's that all about? And and often it's deflection or fear driven behavior. Yeah. 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 So be some we're good afraid questions, of doing I'm something. Sure. Yeah. Hmm? I mean, those would be some good questions to be having from you. You know, I can imagine just like, <laughs> OK, so you you're on Facebook. Why? Why? What are you afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I, often we develop these ways of hiding and and it's nobody's immune from it yeah mm-hmm. everybody's I, got them yeah. i know a lot of people including myself fear of missing out right yeah. Missing, fomo yeah yeah don't be a fomo don't be a fomo yeah just yeah. fear of missing out and or um yeah there's so many things right I'm, I'm a big fan of going deep and and finding those those hidden mystery thorns that yeah kind of cause all that those aches and pains uh, you know through the emotional body which which then relate to how we are in our physical world oh absolutely yeah and that's that's what's so powerful and you know it's really magnified as we get up uh as presenters of any sort that we we become very uh, transparent in front of the Mm. audience whatever the audience is uh, if we're going to connect yeah and so whether it's presenting or coaching or music whatever it is it's for us to do the best that we can yeah and and do the tools and the work to be as clean and as uh into practice Hmm. not performance and and be comfortable with our authentic self know ourselves because people see it in us way before we see it in ourselves Uh Yeah. yeah, and they they go, oh, here she goes with that story again, <laughs> right? And so much of the world, like I listen to the world conversation, and so much of the world is at effect, is is a victim. So we we see outcries, we see a lot of movements. They're usually in response rather than acting. They're reacting, mm. which to me is uh, victim mentality. Uh, so much of our policy or lawmaking or education is in reaction to something else right. rather yeah. than action. So mm. I think that um, I think that it's sad for me when I look at how much is at effect rather than at cause empowered choice. How yeah. much is empowered choice would be the other side of that yeah. coin. Mm, yeah. I love that. Coming from love, right? Again, fear being the victim and the uh, end of that continuum is love, which is empowered choice. Yeah. Yeah. So when are you and running so- for prime minister? Yeah, really soon, I hope. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please, Pat. We need you. Oh, God, help us, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, Pat. That's, that's wonderful. So are you currently taking new clients? 
you know in your coaching and are you open are you busy what's the status there? i'm um i am open for business i actually am i've got uh three openings right now for mm. clients so just this time of year is a great transition year or time of year when people are looking at what they're doing it's back to school season so yeah. you get parents once they get their kids off and yeah. uh off to and settled in to their new routine so yes i've got three openings in my coaching practice at the moment awesome and um, people can contact me if they want uh information on that yeah. i um i also do provide a free hour consultation so that we can see if it's a fit right. because of the nature of the coaching mm in the program so well and all of the course creators out there you are all needing to really step into your power as a speaker and a leader and to refine your message for to the world so Mm -hmm. that you are actually speaking from your heart with truth Mm -hmm. and clarity uh so i think that's a an amazing opportunity and i've got the website here patjohnsonspeaks.com so you can go check out pat's body of work and uh and learn more and sign up for one of those consultations yeah. to have a conversation with pat and see if this is a good fit and that's all online you do that like over skype or zoom or- yeah i i work with people around the world so everything's on zoom or skype or telephone whatever's most yeah. convenient for my client very few of my clients are in person right but uh, occasionally they are it's a different relationship, but yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share some of your stories and your experience. This is amazing. And everybody out there, just know everything that you are doing right now for yourself to better yourself, it's all leading towards that day that you step out on stage and you have no <laughs> idea what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to have nightmares tonight. Now. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the worst is when you step out and you're naked. You're like, oh, oh man, I gotta give a speech and I'm naked. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that old story. You know, imagine the audience naked. Don't do that. Don't yeah, do- <laughs> because it's really distracting. Yeah, it's true. No kidding, right? Uh, what was yeah. I gonna say again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was so insightful. So many key points we'd love to chat with you in the future again you yeah. know on some other subjects that might come up sure. you know there's so many more questions i would love to ask you but the time yeah. has come so yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for having me Our and i uh, wish to wish all your listeners a great day and the very best at their highest and best in their life and to you also and i'd love to come back anytime that it suits your schedule we're gonna do that yeah. awesome thank you so much pat yeah. okay thanks, take pat. care bye yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was nice. That was really nice. Yeah. I like that heart thing. I guess Mm. we should sing to the heart because it's that time of the show where we we go behind the scenes and show people. How did you do that? This week on How Did You Do That, we are going to take you to the forest. And this is another one of our new onboarding videos for the great e-course adventure. And here we are helping you set up your adventure log. Now, Blair, is this a real forest or is this all pretend? Find out in a moment. Can you tell? Yeah. So this is um, a nice little video that we just recently created. 
and um, I'm going to play that, at least a little parts of it, and then uh, we'll chat about how we actually made this come to life. E-course adventure business has been such a wild ride. I still think back to the moment we had the idea to build the great e-course adventure and how much creative inspiration we felt in that moment. Never could I have imagined where we'd be today. I'm so grateful for this adventure log that I'm writing in now because it lets me track my creative journey every single time I build a new e-course and start a new project. This has been such a powerful tool for processing my thoughts, flushing out ideas, and receiving critical creative feedback from our fellow adventurers in this community, as well as inspiring others coming up the mountain behind or beside me. I wish more e-course adventurers would use their adventure log. It's such a game changer. Oh, hey there. How long were you standing there for? I was just writing in my adventure log. I update it at least once or twice a week as we build our courses. It's the best for generating momentum on this wild and creative e-course journey. You know what? I'll stop what I'm doing here and show you how to set up your own adventure log. Come check this out. Now, first things first, dun, dun, you got to make sure you're dun, in the Nice. Okay, so as you see, we wanted to, to create a way that um, was both engaging so we wanted to help you get your adventure log set up and if you're in the current version of the great e-course adventure we call this your progress log and every course on the platform has its own adventure log so we need to teach you how to set that up so i had the idea of me sitting there writing with the feather pen and i brought this to blair and then blair would blair went like this uh, you and your ideas <laughs> and then he had a breakdown and then he started making beeswax candles and this was the result <laughs> <laughs> totally right so blair how, how did, did we, we do, do that? that well so <laughs> well i guess the way it usually starts is finding the appropriate background because um this actually is a green screen um production where we had Brad sitting in the studio on a chair with some green fabric. And here, I'm just going to load this up here. Hey, there's the forest. Dun, 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 Let's see, does that pop in? Hold on. Let's see if I can make this work. Is it working? There we yeah, go. Yeah, I see it's showing up on YouTube Live. Yeah, there we go. So... That is how we actually shot it. It's uh, it's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty hurting actually. <laughs> we did it really fast and really dirty, and um, you know, the things that actually made this um really challenging for me in post production was the way that we lit with uh, the lack of proper lighting because we are still in some transition between. The studio we were in before and the new one so this That's is kind being of being built right now <laughs> right so this is kind of like the cheap and dirty version um and so we got the green screen we got the lights kind of lighting the background doing the best we can uh here i'm gonna move my mouse off the screen because there it's a little easier you can see that the chair there's it kind of works, but there's a lot of shadow. A whole lot of wrinkle there. Holy moly. And so that took a lot of time for me to actually keyframe each <laughs> each, um, each segment of the shot around or, because that, that looks and comes up um, as a shadow 
in the video. It's a good thing you wrote the book on green screen magic. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so in here, you would see all the shadows. So what I had to do is cut this out and frame by frame, move the actual cutout piece around the arm. So when um, we were moving, it's such a I mean, right here, like when that arm was moving, um, and the feather, I had to cut each part of that out around. And if you look really closely, you might be able to see some, but it turned out pretty good. That turned out amazing. Wow. I had, I had no idea I put them through that. I know. I, <laughs> it took a lot more time than it needed to. Any wonder you retired to become a beeswax candle maker. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> if only, yeah. And that's where I stress, like, getting getting good equipment, um, a proper green screen, um, if I was to do that again, I wouldn't have used a chair here. Let's where did I Yeah, we would that? have probably got a bench. Um, and in the, in greenscreenmagic.com, we teach you how to cut out yourself in a scene so that you can superimpose you to the background and, right. and how to edit the shadowing and all that sort of stuff. And we teach you to not half-ass it like we did here. <laughs> you know, what, what was like a quick and easy idea turned into... A lot of They're way like, too many hours for Blair. So and you can see like this is this is what we're using. This is the desk up here as well with um, here's the microphone that we're using right now. Um, so still getting good audio and I would cut around Brad here. So that stuff would all um, be removed. But this backing was really what made it challenging. And had we used uh, a stool or something like that. Um, I wouldn't have had all the shadow to contend with. I considered reshooting, but um, it, you know, for what it's worth, it worked great. It still worked great. And in then the end. in the end, and what's actually really cool too is, um, so if you look at the background and the way the lighting is, it's um, the sun would be quite low because you can see the shadows of the bench here and the trees, the way it's working and coming through. So we, we shot, put the lights on Brad. So, it was a lot more um, on the left side than yep. on the right to create that similar effect. And then what's really cool here is this shadow. Um, I love that. When I saw that, I was like, dude, you put in shadow. Yeah. And again, this is kind of like, like I said, the quick and dirty version. I could have done a lot more if I went into After Effects, but I didn't feel like it. So this is the Premiere Pro version of it. And what that really is, is actually just Brad's image um, as a second layer. And then I... Um, I, I mirrored it and then I turned it on its side What? and then uh, and stretched it out a little bit. Um, so you can see, actually, if you look really close, it's not a perfect shadow because your knees up here and you're looking the other way. Interesting. But I it doesn't know. matter because oh, only you course. know that, Blair. But now all of you Everybody know that. Don't tell your friends. Yeah. But, you know, it, it really creates the, the illusion that there's a shadow, especially when he moves his head. It just adds that little bit to the eye. Man, I thought that was an After Effects thing he did. So that was that was in Premiere. You That's just, all Premiere What Pro. a great little fancy trick you can all learn right there. I know. Wow. So, Secrets of the pros. That's how we did that. How we did it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, for everybody out there, like adding some nature background sounds is key to bringing the forest to life. Yeah, so doing time. that. And then we just did like with the mics that we're using right now, we did the voiceover, the voice inside of my head where I'm journaling and added mm -hmm. a, a feather pen just because it's, it's funny. Fun. 
and then um and then you also did like a little pan just to create a little bit of movement right. so that the scene totally. is more interesting than just just a still shot yeah that's actually a really cool effect as well to create a little bit of movement uh creates a little more interesting for the viewer yeah um so when i'm playing that here you can see it's just slowly moving in. It's creating almost a sentimental effect, um, nice and slow. And, and the way we do that uh, in Premiere Pro is I get all my editing for the scene the way I like it. And then I nest it all into one clip yep. and put that nest into a new sequence and then apply an overall panning um, or like a zooming, a slow zoom onto that nest so therefore i'm not trying to make everything zoom at once it's just like i'm gonna uh, it's almost like re like a render so you could do that too actually you could render it all down into um your your pre-final uh rendering without that last kind of zoom coming in and then bring it back into your editor and add that and apply that little faint zoom yeah and, and for newbies if you don't know what rendering is just google search it yeah yeah totally it's just like mixing it all down into a final file yeah um but yeah i use i use the nesting feature for that which is i use that quite often actually for a lot of things in premiere well this is great you know for for everybody out there you've learned a few things on how to make things more real when using your green screen obviously lighting and a smooth green screen are super key that if you want to make yourself sit on a bench you could just find a bench around your house and throw a green fabric over it and presto you've got me sitting on a bench here i love the mirroring effect with the shadow you've got the nature sounds the voiceover the little zoom effect there's so many things yeah. that we did in that one little tiny like 30 second scene that all bring that forest to life so hopefully you learned something there and yeah. we would love to see your green screen videos so post them in the community and if you're not in the great e-course adventure then you should come try our free trial because it's free and it's a trial and it's fun and you can see if you like us if you like the show you'll probably like the great e-course adventure like a thousand times more because it's us but we're like and characters. you're doing your thing yeah and you're working yeah. on your course and it's a step-by-step -step guide to help you build the greatest course you can possibly imagine it's fantastic tell amazing. your friends amazing and well, I think Bradley, that's, that's a wrap. Next week. What's going on next week? Um, we have another super fabulous guest. Uh, this is somebody whose work I've been following for a bunch of years. She's one of the only entrepreneurial writers out there in the marketing realm whose work I follow. Ash Ambridge from the Middle Finger Project Ooh. is coming on our show next week. Yeah. I have... Asked Ash probably 10 times over the last two and a half years uh, since launching the Grady Course Adventure to come on our show. And she says, no, no, we don't do interviews. No, we don't do interviews. No, we don't do interviews. Finally, she said yes. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, next week is going to be hilarious and really fun for helping you find your writing voice. And uh, there'll probably be a lot of swear words because this lady yeah, would that be like cuss. PG 13. Are we going uh, to No, it might be 14, eight or rated R. Um, we'll see. Heck yeah. 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 So gonna, uh, I'm going to be practicing my swear words all week. Yeah. So prepare for it. No watching with the kids next week. Uh, yeah. Uh, earmuffs <laughs> folks. And we look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Bye everybody. <laughs>